Hi guys, McLaughlin here. That would be of the Craig variety. Hi, this is Shana Blaze. Hello, this is Tom Ballard. Hi, this is Melissa Cap. G'day, this is Scamo, Scott Morrison. Hi, this is Reese Nicholson. Hi, it's Gina Liano from the Real Housewives of Melbourne. Hi, this is Reese Maston. Hi, this is JC Fox. This is Kathy Griffin. Hey, this is Todd McCollum. Hello, this is Weird Al Yankovic. Hello everybody, it's Omar Rudberg and you're listening to the Troy Murphy Show. Troy Murphy laughing at me in the other studio. Oh, he's dancing to my radio vet. Hello, Troy. The last couple of shows I've listened to the Troy Murphy show, I've nearly had a couple of accidents because my eyes have been watering with laughter so much. Is it me? Am I the problem? Surely I can't be the only one that thinks that the world is going bananas. With doctors last summer claiming the term morbidly obese to be ditched. Look, I understand morbidly obese is not a glamorous term, but unlike the morbidly obese lifestyle, one should not have to sugarcoat everything to explain that it's problematic. He's ready for his close-up. It's the Troy Murphy Show.
FM, the home of the Troy Murphy Show. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to this here, the Troy Murphy Show. And I tell you what, my friends, I tell you what, it has been a big week in the news. Locally, the state, the nation, the country. So let's flip open the newspapers and check out the news that has been breaking this week. The Australian this week reported that the Reserve Bank of Australia's governor, Michelle Bullock, has flagged concerns with the recent acceleration in wages growth, saying it was not sustainable without a lift in productivity. Jim Chalmers, Dr. Jim Chalmers, the treasurer, Labor's treasurer, has warned that the global economy was on track for a substantial loss of momentum. The comments come as minutes from the RBA's Melbourne Cup Day meeting confirmed it was prepared to hike again, which there is the chance for this to happen before Christmas, if incoming data on the economy and inflation was hotter than expected. Even as board members recognise the painful squeeze, and I quote that, on household finances. Speaking in Melbourne this week, Ms Bullock said tackling inflation was, and I quote, the crucial challenge facing Australia. Also on cost of living, if another interest rate rise wasn't enough of a concern, the Sydney Morning Herald reports that a third of businesses are considering laying off workers before Christmas, while more than 1.2 million people have delayed medical appointments, prescription refills because of their cost as the Reserve Bank's war on inflation intensifies financial pressures on companies and households. As as we reported when it happened, the Reserve Bank board lifted the official cash rate to a 12-year high of 4.35% on Melbourne Cup Day in a bid to bring down inflation, which is not expected to return to the institution's 2 to 3% target banned until late 2025. Staying with the cost of living, we mentioned it before, the pain of households with cost of living, the rise of cost of living is pushing dental care out of reach for many, leading to worsening oral hygiene nationwide. Recent reports indicate that West Australians are particularly affected, struggling to afford necessary dental services as financial pressure intensifies. Across the country, the the, the situation is similar, with many Australians delaying or foregoing dental visits due to the cost, thereby exacerbating health inadequacies. This has sparked discussion about the potential for a Medicare-style denticare system or scheme to address the crisis which then again is more spending which will increase inflation which will mean that (laughs) tackling inflation is going to be more and more difficult for the reserve bank and the government who don't seem to be doing much about it now this issue has become so pressing that the Australian Dental Association and other health experts are calling for immediate action to prevent further decline in the nation's oral health. 
Further to that, Australia's middle class is facing a critical phase. Marked by a combination of rising costs and stagnant incomes, as well as high inflation, leading to a significant decrease in living standards, once the nation's backbone, the middle class is now shrinking rapidly, raising concern about the potential drop in overall quality of life. This situation is further complicated by high inflation rates, which we've been talking about in this opening segment a bit in this cost of living bracket, which has resulted in a decrease in real household disposable income. Economic growth has also slowed down significantly since mid-2022, adding to the financial strain on middle-income families. Moreover, the lack of effective policies to address these challenges and the risk of rising interest rates tipping the economy into a recession exacerbates the situation. The combination of these factors paints a concerning picture for the future of Australia's middle class as the rich get richer and the poor get larger, and of course its impact on the broader economy. Now, the rising cost of living in Australia is also having an impact on women, particularly in areas of housing and healthcare. Women face higher hurdles in accessing housing due to expensive rents and purchase prices. This situation is worsening their financial security and mental health. Additionally, the cost of living crisis is forcing women, especially younger women, to use cheaper menstrual health products or not being able to afford them at all and changing them less frequently, which poses a risk to their health and well-being. Let's spice things up by talking politics. The coalition, well, they've surged ahead in the polls, according to the Herald Sun. The coalition has taken the lead in a recent opinion polling, with a narrow majority of people indicating them as the preferred party to lead. Support for the Australian Labor Party has fallen by 0.5% since last week. This is according to the latest Roy Morgan poll on federal voting intention. The coalition have taken the lead with a 50.5% of those polled on a two-party preferred basis. It is the third straight week of declining support for the Albanese Labor government. Now, on primary vote, the coalition is now on 37.5%, up 1% from a week ago, and clearly ahead of the ALP on 29.5%, down 0.5% from last week. The Greens are on 13.5%, up by 0.5%, and One Nation is on 6.5%, up 0.5%. There has been a loss of support for independents and other parties. The latest Roy Morgan poll is based on interviewing a representative cross-section of 1,401 Australian voters from November 13 to 19. Also in politics this week, the PM has been urged to be honest over President Xi Jinping's meeting this week. The opposition leader Peter Dutton has slammed Anthony Albanese for refusing to say whether he raised China's solar blast on Australian divers during his meeting last week accusing the Prime Minister of failing to, and I quote, stand up for national interest. Mr Albanese expressed concern over the incident, which left Australian Navy divers injured, but would not divulge details 
of his conversations with President Xi on the sidelines of the APEC summit last week, or confirm whether the sonar incident was discussed. Despite maintaining the confidence of his discussions with President Xi, Mr Albanese was accused by Chinese officials of making, and I quote, rude and irresponsible accusations towards China. Look, that is a tough job. That is a tough job. Australia clearly needs Chinese money, but at the same time, we can't be seen as cowering to their demands. That's personal commentary, not part of the news uh, that broke this week. Also in politics this week, a cyber body chaired by a former Labor minister says that the Albanese government's intent to legislate against misinformation is, and I quote, misguided as new documents reveal the decision to delay the bill was due to a deluge of criticism. The Cybersecurities Cooperative Research Centre, also known as the CSCRC, is urging Communications Minister Michelle Rowland to drop the government's proposal to give regulators power to fine companies for failing to remove misinformation and instead focus on teaching people to sort fact from fiction on social media. The centre, chaired by former Labor Minister Kate Lundy and directed by the government's own cybersecurity centre chief Abigail Bradshaw, is pushing for bolstered self-regulation by tech firms as public and political pressure to clamp down on false information intensifies for firms such as X, formerly Twitter, Meta, formerly Facebook and TikTok. And as for personal com commentary on this one, they've just got to dump this. There is a high chance that freedom of speech from average people who comment on social media, sharing their opinions and views, as well as news organisations, could not only have their access denied, the information they want to share removed, and fines for what a government body deems as misinformation and disinformation. It's just got to go. Also in politics this week, in response to extreme, well, quote, extreme heat conditions in Australia, there is a growing call for Centrelink to suspend mutual obligations for job seekers during heat waves. Hmm. Phoebe Autumn, a 27-year-old job seeker, suffered heat stroke after a mandatory Centrelink meeting during a string of hot days in Perth. Now, welfare advocates are arguing for a suspension of mutual obligations. And that's where job seekers either have to go and do a certain amount of interviews per week or go and see Centrelink themselves. These obligations, if not met, lead to suspension of welfare payments. Now, the Department of Employment and Workplace Relations has not yet halted these obligations due to, quote, extreme heat, but it states they will act on advice from meteorological and emergency services if needed. Now, advocates like Emma Bacon of Sweltering Cities and Jay Coonan of the Anti-Poverty Centre emphasise the risks and unfairness of the current system. Ministers for Families and Social Services, Amanda Rishworth, has not yet responded to these concerns. Now, personal commentary time, because 
You know, I need to identify which is real news and what is my commentary. What is going on here? Look, you know, I understand. I understand I am sympathetic to the cause. But if people can all of a sudden not have to go look for work or meet with Centrelink to keep their welfare payments or because it's hot outside, what about the rest of us who have to go to work? Hmm? Hmm? That's a good question. Stick around. Plenty more news analysis coming up right after this. And stay tuned. Later on in the program, we'll deep dive into Sutherland Shire local news as well as take a look at the weird, wacky and wonderful news. Plus, this is the big one. We have launched our new Shire Community Watch segment where we highlight and talk to the local community organisations and non-for-profit organisations who are either based in the Sutherland Shire or service the Sutherland Shire to give them a boost within our community as part of our community commitment here on The Troy Murphy Show and at 2SR. Plenty more coming up right after this. Never miss a beat. Follow The Troy Murphy Show Facebook page. Search The Troy Murphy Show. Whether you're growing older, rehabilitating or living with a disability, help is always here at AidaCare. Our new showroom in Sylvania isn't the only reason people choose AidaCare. It's also the information you gain from a chat with our people. Stay informed about the latest equipment, streamlined procedures and funding options available to you by calling 1300 133 120 or visiting adacare.com.au. AidaCare is a registered NTIS provider, home care supplier and DVA specialist and is a proud sponsor of 2SR. In Australia, only 13% of people keep fish. 9% of households without a pet and 17% with a pet are interested in keeping fish. The three reasons they don't keep fish are that they think it is harder, more expensive and more time consuming than it is. All three reasons are a myth depending on what setup you choose. A simple tropical setup is actually the easiest and cheapest pet you can get. Pop in and visit us at Majestic Aquarium's Tarrant Point or follow us on our social media and learn how far fish keeping has come in the last few years. Majestic Aquariums are proud sponsors of 2SR. 2SR can help you promote your business with an innovative and inexpensive marketing plan. Our in-house team will help you design a campaign, voice the audio and give it the professional production values you need. To find out more, call us on 9545 1800 or email info at 2SR.com.au to organise a talk with our experienced marketing team. Hi, it's Kale. Hope you can join me for Friday Night Live every Friday from 7 to 9pm for a mix of pop and indie music, interviews with interesting people and all the music and entertainment news from the Shire, Sydney and beyond. Friday Night Live, 7pm on 2SR 99.7 FM. I'll see you there. Never miss a show? Listen on demand. Click The Troy Murphy Show on the 2SR.com.au homepage program guide. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to this here, The Troy Murphy Show, as we take a look at the big news that broke across the week. 
Let's head internationally now. The Israeli cabinet recently approved a ceasefire agreement with the Hamas militant group, signaling a pause in the prolonged conflict that has lasted over six weeks. This agreement includes a significant clause for the release of around 50 hostages currently held in the Gaza Strip. In return, Israel will release Palestinians from its prisons. Hamas, which is holding approximately 240 hostages, agreed to release them gradually over a four-day period. The Israeli government announced that for every 10 hostages released, it would extend the ceasefire by another day. Prioritizing humanitarian concerns, the first group of hostages to be released will include women and children. Despite this development, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu stated that Israel is prepared to resume its offense against Hamas after the ceasefire concluded. The, the specific commencement date of this truce remains unspecified. Also in international news, a recent poll has indicated a significant decline in US President Joe Biden's approval ratings. Young voters, our key demographic, are reportedly shifting away from Biden, contributing to a narrow lead for former President Donald J. Trump. This is all according to an NBC news polling. This trend is within a close margin, highlighting a precarious political position for Biden. Further, consecutive polls consistently present a challenging outlook for Biden. His standing has been affected not only in general approval, but also in potential matchups against likely 2024 Republican challenges. Now, despite these troubling poll numbers for Biden, the Democratic Party has seen victories in states like Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio and Virginia, which suggests a complex electoral landscape. Now, if a hypothetical 2024 election makeup between President Joe Biden and former President Donald J. Trump took place today with the Yahoo News YouGov polling, well, it shows Trump leading 44% to Joe Biden's 42. A Reuters Ipsos poll revealed that Biden's popularity has fallen to its lowest level since April 2023, signaling a growing concern about his leadership among the electorate. And a CNN poll reported a widening gap in a hypothetical 2024 matchup with Trump leading Biden 49 to 45%, an increase from a previous lead of 47% to 46%. Oh, I can't wait for the US election next year. As Trump would say, it's gonna be bigly. It's gonna be bigly. Let's head back to local news here across Australia. A bit of a serious touch. We touched on this last week, but it continues to be, in, be an ongoing problem. Parents are now saying that they are, and I quote, disheartened by an attempt from a group of activist teachers to promote a one-sided view of the Israeli Hamas 
conflict in the classroom. Now, before I go on with this, make sure you listen with the intent of how it's being delivered and the fact that this is reporting on the news that has broken this week. The group calling itself Teachers for Palestine has on social media accused Israel of, quote, genocide, while encouraging teachers to, quote, light up our schools for Palestine. The group also encouraged students to skip school for a planned unauthorised protest on Friday tomorrow and also urged teachers to wear traditional Palestinian clothing, Palestine badges and, quote, make Palestine visible in our schools, end quote, by, for example, taking group photos with pro-Palestinian signs with students. I won't comment on that personally. Moving on, the Daily Telegraph this week reported that four murderers, a person of interest to Australia's spy agency, multiple child sex offenders and drug traffickers are among the most serious criminals impacted by a high court ruling against their indefinite detention. Child rapists, stalkers, people smugglers and a man who punched his eight-month-old daughter are among the 93 people potentially released into the community last week. Now, according to a new document or documents published by the court on Tuesday, the, the documents dated October 18 contain a summary of those with more serious offences compiled by the Department of Home Affairs intended to demonstrate to the court some of the characteristics of the detainees impacted by the ruling. Now, among the detainees was a man convicted of rape who is also on a United States sex offenders registry, a man deemed a person of interest to Australia's spy agency ASIO, and a man sentenced to 22 years in prison in 1999 for murdering his wife. With Parliament sitting in question time uh, next week, it's going to be a very, very interesting week in Parliament House. And I'm excited for it, not because of the terrible things that are are, are going on in the world, but uh, to be there. I'll be down in Canberra next week to cover this in depth. And further to these detainees being released into our community, the Australian Border Force is refusing to divulge how 101 foreign detainees will be electronically monitored after their release into the community by the High Court decision leaving questions over how the federal government will keep a watch over them. Now, following new federal surveillance laws passed last week, state and federal police are airing long-standing objections to being saddled with electronic monitoring duties, arguing it eats up valuable resources. Last week, more than 90 people held in immigration centres were released into the community after the High Court ruling found that their indefinite detention was unlawful. Many have significant criminal histories, as we described before. Now, personal commentary time. The only reason, the only reason that the new federal surveillance laws passed week is because the Labor government went to the opposition with a tail between their legs, begging them for help on writing the new laws. This 
This after months and months of the Albanese Labor government criticising the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, for his hard stance on immigration. It's funny how the tide changes in politics and further egg on the face for the Albanese Labor government. Moving on, a new study has revealed that one in five people in the city of Melbourne are concerned about food security, a topic that we've covered at length here on the show. We've, we've done... We've spoken about the Australian statistics. We've even spoken to a local food bank here in the Shire to talk about the increase in food security or, or, or concerns about food security here in the Shire alone. But this week, Melbourne has the headlines uh, with 2 million Australians experiencing food struggles. The research revealed that convenience food chain Stores 7-Eleven has donated $1.26 million worth of food in the past 12 months to the Salvation Army. Now, Salvation Army officer Major Brendan Noti said that 93% of people visiting their centres are experiencing food insecurity. And he said, and I quote, It's actually a question for a lot of people today in Australia about whether they pay their rent, whether they pay their utilities, or whether they feed themselves and their children, end quote. Speaking of children, a concerning trend in the mental health of Australian children has been highlighted by recent data from the Australian Council for Educational Research Social Emotional Wellbeing Survey. This comprehensive survey, accumulating responses from over 500,000 Primary and secondary school age children since 2018 has revealed a worrying decline in the social and emotional well-being of young Australians. The data shows that one in three primary school children often feel bad for extended periods and nearly half report their feelings are easily hurt. In secondary schools, the situation appears to be more dire with 53% of students feeling very stressed a number that has risen annually since 2018. This stress is notably higher in girls, with 77% of Year 12 girls reporting feeling very stressed compared to 55% of boys. Despite these challenges, a significant majority of children still report feeling happy and optimistic about their future, suggesting a complex interplay of psychological factors affecting their overall well-being. Let's talk the climate and our rush to net zero here in Australia. The solar panel industry in Australia is currently facing a crisis that echoes the chaos of the infamous pink bat scheme under the Rudd government. Oh, we all remember that. A recent national safety warning has been issued highlighting the serious risk of injury, death and property damage due to the potential for LG home energy storage system batteries to catch fire without warning. This issue is alarming, considering that 8,000 affected LG batteries are still at risk in homes across the country. In an even more troubling revelation, Ausgrid reports that approximately 82% of rooftop solar installations in New South Wales are non-compliant with basic standards. This is the pink back scheme all over again. 
This lack of compliance coupled with an inadequate regulatory framework could significantly hinder Australia's transition to net zero. The situation is worsened by deceptive sales practices targeting vulnerable people. A case point, an elderly couple here in Sydney were misled into believing they were receiving free solar system due to a government rebate. And we all get those calls on a daily basis. The deception resulted in them unknowingly agreeing to a $25,000 loan. They're retirees, a sum that they cannot afford. New South Wales Fair Trading's response to their complaint was unsatisfactory, indicating a broader issue of insufficient consumer protection in the solar industry. This crisis, characterised by safety risks, regulatory non-compliance and deceptive sales tactics, demands urgent attention. The Australian solar industry, once a beacon of renewable energy process, now risks eroding public trust and undermining the country's clean energy objectives. But some good news for solar around the world. And to end this news segment on a good news story, Portugal has recently achieved a significant milestone in renewable energy by powering its entire nation using solely renewable sources for six consecutive days. This achievement underscores Portugal's unique suitability for renewable energy, benefiting from its sunny, windy and coastal geography. The remarkable period of renewable energy generation started on October 27th. The nation's largest energy company reported that a combination of wind and wave conditions were producing all the energy required across the country. Initially, these conditions were expected to last throughout the following day, but they persisted for five additional days. During this time, Portugal not only met its own energy needs, but also exported renewable energy to Spain for a total of 95 hours. This 149-hour stretch of renewable energy generation broke the country's previous record for continuous use of 100% renewable sources. Notably, the achievement was realized during a period of rainy, windy weather, highlighting the contribution of wind turbines, which many were installed in the 1990s. A long way to go from continuous reliability on renewable energy, but a, well, a small step in the right direction, potentially. Although I think we've got a few issues to fix, like the solar panels here in Australia, before we get anywhere near that. And that, my friends, is just some of the big breaking news stories from this week. Two FM, the home of the Troy Murphy Show. Welcome to SR's Community Watch. This week we are highlighting the Sutherland Shire's not-for-profit grassroots organisation, the Dandelion Support Network. They're a group who support families and children in need. Joining us to talk about the organisation and what they do is Gabrielle Humphreys. Gabrielle, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Troy. Now, Gabrielle, can you tell us all about the Dandelion Support Network and exactly what is it that you do for our community here in the Sutherland Shire? 
So, of course, I'd love to tell you about us. We're actually Shire-grown, so we were set up now 12 years ago by two local mums who saw there was a need in the community. They'd finished with their baby items, and their bigger items in particular, like their cots, prams, and car seats, they found there was no way they would actually accept them because due to insurance reason. Finneys and the Salvos couldn't actually take the items and they're in good condition and they thought it's such a waste to put these items into landfill um, and so they came up with the idea of you know we should be able to recycle these items um, and not long after that dandelion was born. So as I said we've been operating for 12 years we've helped over 17,000 families not just from the Shire <laughs> we do actually help uh, the whole of the greater Sydney area down to the Illawarra and out to some regional areas as well when we can. Um, so we're, we're kept quite busy. This year we've helped 2,413 families so far and that equates to 4,671 children. Um, this year we've actually seen um, an increase in our referrals, an over 30% increase in fact. And this of course is, I think, largely due to the increase in the cost of living. So what that means to us is instead of helping 60 families a week, we're helping 80 to 90 families a week. And we're sort of seeing that it's not just families who maybe have just had a baby and you know, have an older child or two. They're actually a lot of families who have older children who are just struggling to provide clothing, toys and linen for these older children. So what we actually do at Dandelion, I probably should have let off with that, didn't I, is that we provide essential nursery items um, to the babies as well as items such as clothing, toys and linen for older children. And we provide these to disadvantaged families and these families are disadvantaged due to reasons such as they might be women and children escaping domestic violence, they might be refugees, they might be families facing homelessness and or they might be families with a disability. And of course, in this day and age, with the cost of living increases, as I mentioned, that's another reason we've really you know, seen a lot of referrals. And we help these families by working with special welfare organisations to actually part, we partner with them to help the families. Um, we have helped, uh, with, sorry, we've partnered with 280 social welfare families this year and hospitals to help uh, the families and these organisations are ones that you know, like the big ones like Red Cross, Bernardo's, Catholic Care, um, all those bigger organisations. And we also do work with smaller ones like right here in the Sutherland Shire, we work with the Family Co, we work with Arana, etc., to help the families. Basically, the only requirement is that we ask that the social workers come and pick up from us because we just don't have the capability to be delivering all these um, large number of requests to the uh, social workers. And how do you collect items to, to pass on to, to families? Do you do drives or do you have collection points? So we actually do both. Uh, we do regularly have donation days at Dandelion. So on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, you can come and drop your items into us at Tarrant Point and you can come between 12.30 and about 3. In the mornings, we have the social workers coming in and we're in a very small space currently, so we can't sort of have the two crossing over. Um, and then we also hold donation days on a Saturday so that families can come in um, and 
donate to us. Then we also have uh, drop-off points around Sydney. So we have one at um, we have one at Manly, Maroubra. Uh, we have one down in the Wanuna. We have one at Hoxton Park. Uh, Earlwood and a new one at Talawong as well. And we're looking to expand that network so there's points close to people and they can, um, you know, for the ease of dropping off. Can you share with us uh, some success stories or or examples of the positive impact that your organisation, the Dandelion Support Network, has had on individuals or, or the community as a whole? Yeah, sure. So, We've, while we don't actually get to work with the families um, because the social workers actually directly work with the families, we get some really lovely feedback and I've actually also had the distinct honour of meeting some of the families that we've worked with. One story that stuck with me was we always think that the big items like the cots, the prams, the car seats, that they're really going to make the biggest difference in someone's life. But actually, even just things like clothes and toys can make a huge difference. Um, I was talking to one lady who she had, she was pregnant with twins and she had another older child and her husband left her. And so she was struggling to get everything she needed. So initially we helped her family with items for her twins, like cots, prams, et cetera, uh, cots and a pram for the twins. Um, But then as time's gone on, we've also continued to help her with things like clothing and toys for her children. And she said that it's made such a difference in her life because it means that she can actually take her kids to swimming lessons, that she can actually buy a present so her kids can go to a party and take a present because those types of things are so ostracising for children. You know, you don't want to be the, the kid that turns up to the party without a gift, so you tend to not go. So it really, um, really warmed my heart to hear that, you know, we're having such an impact on just this one family with something that we sort of don't think is really, really that impressive, just giving clothes and toys. But, um, yeah, it was a really, really lovely bit of feedback we received. How can people get involved, whether it be via donation or I, I assume as a, a not-for-profit organisation, you need volunteers? How, how can people contact you or get involved? So if they go to our website, so um, www.endlinesupportnetwork.org, um, you can find all the information about us. We would most definitely welcome um, volunteers to come and join us. We'll be doing a big drive for volunteers in the new year. I am very blessed to have a big team of volunteers at Dandelion who are incredibly dedicated. Um, They all say to me, we come in and then all of a sudden it's four hours later. There's never nothing to do at Dandelion. It's always so busy. There's always so much happening and it might, as I said, I'm just so very blessed to have such a, a wonderful group of volunteers to work with. Um, but yes, we'd be most happy to welcome in new volunteers in the new year because as we're expanding and getting all these new requests, we're finding we need more manpower to actually keep up with um, all the donations that we're receiving. And of course, as you mentioned, most happy to receive donations from people. That would be absolutely fantastic. Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us today dandelionsupport.org.au. Go and check it out. Thanks so much, Troy. Stay tuned. More from The Troy Murphy Show coming up right after this. 
IRT Thomas Holt has been caring for older people for over 50 years. As experts in residential aged care, we specialise in general, respite, dementia and palliative care, providing professional and compassionate care with a personal touch. Visit one of our aged care centres across the Sutherland Shire, meet our friendly, experienced team and discover the modern facilities and welcoming atmosphere of our community. To book a tour or for more information, visit irtthomasholt.org.au. Proud sponsors of 2SSR. Have you ever thought about the life you want to lead in retirement? How much will you need to save to achieve it? And will your superannuation be enough? A little bit of planning now can help you reach your retirement goals. At GJ Private Wealth, we take a customised approach to your retirement planning. Our expert team of qualified advisors will work with you to understand your personal situation and retirement goals to provide you with a personalised plan to help you get there. Speak to one of our advisors today by calling 02-8539-7999 or visit www.gjprivatewealth.com.au. GJ Private Wealth are authorised representatives of AMP Financial Planning and are proud sponsors of 2SSR. Would you like to be involved in your local not-for-profit radio station? Would you like to become a 2SSR volunteer with the opportunity to be a presenter, provide office support or help with community events? If you would like to be part of the 2SSR family, call us on 9545 or go to our website 2 and click on Membership to download the application form. Keeping it smooth in the Shire for over 20 years. Paul E. Routledge and Smooth Jazz. Will Downey. Gerald Albright. Brand new heavies. Paul E. Routledge and Smooth Jazz. Sunday, 6 p.m. for the drive home on FM 99.7. It's time to take a look at the news that broke across the Sutherland Shire this week. Yes, that's right. Let's take a look at the news breaking across the Sutherland Shire this week. Cronulla High School students are leading a charity initiative as part of the GEM Girls program. This program, initially developed by Nikita Ryan of Menai High School and now adopted by Cronulla High, aims to empower students and enhance their leadership skills through community engagement. The project's goal is to assemble 100 backpacks with essential items for young people at risk of homelessness with support from Project Youth. The students have received various donations, including backpacks, cash and menstrual care items, and are also conducting a fundraising drive with donation drop boxes and a PayPal page. The initiative reflects the students' commitment to helping their peers and contributing positively to their community. And also in Sutherland Shire local news, a former local swim coach has been sentenced to 32 years in prison for the sexual abuse of 11 students from 1996 to 2009. He was found guilty of 43 offences where the 48-year-old coach, also a former cooking show contestant, created an environment where inappropriate behaviour was normalised. The victims, who engaged in sexual discussions to fit in, highlighted the coach's influence. Eligible for parole in 2047, he has yet to acknowledge his crimes or show remorse. 
And that's Sutherland Shire Local News. Never miss a show? Listen on demand. Click The Troy Murphy Show on the 2SR.com.au homepage program guide. Let's do it. Let's have some fun. It's now time for The Troy Murphy Show's Quick Quiz. Five quick quiz questions of which you have three seconds to correctly guess the answer before it's revealed. Are you ready to play? Let's begin. Question number one. What is the term for a tennis match contested? by teams that each consist of one man and one woman. The answer, mixed double. That's gonna be quite confusing when we start adding them and these. Question number two, alphabetically, which sign of the zodiac comes last? If you guessed Virgo, you would be correct. Question number three, according to the legend, what was the name of King Arthur's sword? Excalibur. Question number four, the name of what herb is also a term for a person of profound wisdom? The answer in three seconds time. The answer is of course, sage. And the final question, question number five. What is the only chemical element with a three-letter name? What is the only chemical element with a three-letter name? Let the countdown begin. The answer we're looking for is tin. And there we have it. That's the quick quiz. Let us know how many you guessed correct by messaging me on the Troy Murphy Show Facebook page, of which I will reply with cute little trophy emoticons uh, or emojis, whatever they're called, with the amount you got correct. Stick around. Plenty more coming up right after this. As we draw to the end of this week's show, it's time for a bit of weird, wacky and wonderful news from around the world. And of course, the United States is the place to go when you want weird and wacky and US President Joe Biden and his unforgivable gaffes are at play. Oh my goodness, are they what? During the annual Thanksgiving turkey pardon, Biden crazily compared the challenging journey of the two turkeys, Liberty and Bell, who travelled over... 1,000 miles to the difficulty some people have had obtaining tickets for popular music tours. Let's take a listen to that audio now. Harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or, or, or Rip Britney's tour. She's down in, it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. 
Now, those who aren't savvy with what's going on in the music world right now, well, <laughs> he first referenced Beyonce's 2023 Renaissance tour. All right, fair enough. Difficult to get tickets. Then mistakenly mentioned Britney Spears as being the one on the Renaissance tour. And then implied that she was touring, Britney Spears, was touring in Brazil. However, it's actually Taylor Swift's current era's tour that's performing in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, under sweltering conditions. Look, I guess, you know, maybe the mix-up is somewhat understandable given that both Spears and Swift are prominent blonde pop stars, but I'm not quite sure how he mixed those two up with Beyonce. Now this gaffe, this Biden gaffe, uh, occurred <laughs> on his 81st birthday, during which he quipped about the challenges of turning 60. And this guy is the leader of the free world? I hereby pardon Liberty Ann Bell. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, Bird. Two Double SR FM, the home of the Troy Murphy Show. With the Christmas season upon us, a few little drinky poos are certainly required in most cases. Now, here's some good news if you like a drop or two, a bottle of red wine. <laughs> Researchers have possibly cracked the mystery of the infamous red wine headache. The Headache Center at the University of California in San Francisco under Morris Levin claims to be close to solving the age-old conundrum. The team's focus, a specific ingredient in red wine suspected to cause headache-inducing effects similar to a drug used by alcoholics. These research, or their research, sorry, pointed towards, and I'm going to have trouble pronouncing that this, so bear with me, phenolic flavoroids derived from grape seeds and skin, which contribute to the red wine colour. This was after eliminating unusual specks like the tannins and sulphites and biogenic Aminis. Oh, too many words. A, <laughs> a particular flavonol. Oh, why do they have to have so many difficult words? Quercentin became the center of attention, mostly found in red wine. Quercentin is processed into various substances, including quercentin glucoronide, which may be the key culprit. That was very technical. Too many bit. Who put this together? Too many technical words for my liking. Just say the stuff in red wine that does the colouring. Anyway, uh, this, uh, oh, not again. Quercentin glucoride inhibits the enzymes converting acetaldehyde into acetate when acetaldehyde. Oh my goodness, accumulates in the, lucky we're at the end of the show, accumulates in the bloodstream and it may trigger headaches and nausea. 
The research also suggests that some people are more prone to a settler hide build. Whoever wrote this is having is stitching me up. I bet you it was Paulie Routledge who wrote this uh, script for me, uh, explaining why they experience red wine headache more intensely. I've never had red wine headache, and I do drink a lot of red wine. But when I do, I go for a cab sav, and I much prefer to go for one without preservatives. Maybe that could be where these researchers focus. It's on the preservatives in the wine that give you the headaches and the guts, pains and everything else. Anyway, that's food for thought uh, or drink for drinking this coming holiday season. So there's no answer yet, but they're, they're on it. Maybe for next, maybe for next year. Two double SR FM, the home of the Troy Murphy show. Before we go, let's check out what's happening across the Shire with Shire What's On. The Sutherland Shire Walk for Respectful Relationships is taking place tomorrow, Friday the 24th of November at 9.30am. This event begins at Don Lucas Reserve and concludes at the Cronulla Park in Cronulla. It's a vital opportunity for the community to unite and demonstrate commitment to combating domestic and family violence. The walk involves participation from individuals, families, friends, colleagues, and various community groups. It's not just a walk, it's a powerful statement to support the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence, a global campaign led by UN Women. This campaign begins on the international Day of the Elimination of Violence Against Women on the 25th of November and continues until Human Rights Day on December 10. By joining this walk, you'll be contributing to a crucial cause and standing alongside organisations like The Family Co, Enough is Enough, Anti-Violence Movement Inc and, and Caring Bar Rotary. Don't miss this chance to make a difference Register now at sutherlandshire.nsw.gov.au. It's not too much good to just Will he get through an entire show without offending someone? We hope so offend your with the Troy Murphy Show. Have a yabba dabba do time. A dabba do time. You'll have a gay old time. And it's all over just like that. And that's it. The Troy Murphy Show done and dusted for your Thursday night here on 2SR FM. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you missed any part of the show or want to listen back again, you can do so by listening on demand by heading to the 2SR.com.au website and clicking on the Troy Murphy Show on the live program guide. If you see any local news, want us to follow up on a story or are a community or non for profit organization based in or servicing the Sutherland Shire and want a shout out, email me direct troy.murphy at 2SR.com.au. I'll be back next week from 7 pm for another edition of the Troy Murphy Show. Until next week, my friends, bye for now. 2SR FM 99.7.